WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another segment of the Marian Hour on this Wednesday, uh, well, following the octave of Easter. Uh, and we'll begin our, our show today with uh, my favorite Marian prayer, the, the Memorare, if you'd like to join me, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> so, I'm going to ask Angela. <laughs> she smiles all the time. She's the only one with me in the in the studio today, which was is a rather a rare occasion. Um, do you know what the month of April is devoted to, as far as like devotions? I would say the Holy Spirit. No. Actually, no. It is uh, the month of the Eucharist. Oh. Yes. I did not um, know that. And so I thought that being the case. I would talk about Our Lady and the Eucharist, okay, on, on my show today. And <clears throat> I'm going to focus primarily on a saint who uh, is known as the, the Apostle of the Eucharist. He's not too well, know well known, uh, unfortunately, but he is the great saint of the Eucharist. His name is St. Peter Julian Amard. And I was introduced to him, or first heard about him, through Father John Harden, the, great, the greatest catechist of the last century, I like to call Father Harden, who hopefully will be canonized a saint one day. I made my priesthood retreat under him and um, used to attend talks by him back before I was even in the seminary. And um, the priest that's with me in, in Kenosha, Father uh, Robert McDermott, he was promoting the cause of, of Father Hardin for about, I think, close to five years down in St. Louis. It's been held up a little bit for various reasons I won't get into, but um, <clears throat> I heard about St. Peter Julian Amard, and, and uh, there's a, an Amard library that contains um, his writings, and um, nine volumes. They're small volumes. There's just been another critical edition done of all his works, but um, I'm going to just speak about St. Peter Julian, a little background on him, uh, this apostle of the Eucharist, as he's known. <clears throat> he was born February 4th, 1811, in Lemur, southwest France, the Diocese of Grenoble, uh, in a, into a deeply Christian family. And from early on, he had a great love and devotion to Jesus. 
in the Blessed Sacrament and, as well, a great devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. When he was 12 years old, preparing to receive his first Holy Communion, he made a pilgrimage. He walked 30 miles to a shrine of the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, Notre Dame de Lau, L-A-U-S. It is uh, a shrine in the French Alps. And about 10, well, maybe close to 12 years ago, uh, the local bishop there officially proclaimed it a Marian shrine. Uh, For the first time, it had been a shrine for several hundred years by the time St. Peter Julian Amard had uh, gone there on pilgrimage. And... But he went there to prepare for his first Holy Communion when he was 12 years old. This shows the, the great faith to walk a great distance in the Alps and uh, to honor Our Lady, to prepare his soul to receive Jesus in the Eucharist for the first time. And at his first Holy Communion, he told his father that he wanted to become a priest, but his father opposed this. And... <clears throat> It was really at the the sanctuary of Our, Our Lady of, of Lowe that he was strengthened by the Virgin Mary to persevere in his decision to become a priest. And <clears throat> he he went to work in the family workshop as, as a teenager, but he studied Latin in secret. And uh, he was preparing himself for the seminary. His father finally let him go when he was 17 in 1828, and he entered the uh, religious congregation, the Oblates of the Virgin, pardon me, the Oblates of Mary Immaculate in Marseille, France. And his health wasn't good, and as a result, he had to leave the novitiate, and he returned to his hometown of Namur um, to be treated for his, his ill health. His father died just a couple of years later in 1831, and, <clears throat> but he went back to the seminary for the diocese and was ordained in 1834. And for five years, he carried out his, his ministry, his priestly ministry in the diocese of Grenoble, And after about five years, well, the attraction for religious life never left him. And in 1839, he received permission from his bishop to enter another religious order, the Society of Mary, uh, the Marists. And he made his religious profession in 1840. And in 1844, he was called to help govern the Marist order in Lyon, France. He carried out uh, a number of different um, duties as as a Marist priest. And one of the, you could say, oh, critical points in his his life was in May of 1845, on the Feast of Corpus Christi, and he was still a Marist priest at this time, he carried the Blessed Sacrament in a monstrance, in a procession through the streets of Lyon, France. And 
after this, he, he wrote these words. He said, My soul was flooded with faith and love for Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Those two hours where he walked in procession, this Corpus Christi procession, seemed but a moment. It was as though my heart were under a wine press. I longed at that moment for all hearts to have been within my own and to have been fired with the zeal of St. Paul, especially for, for Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. Well, um, <clears throat> then in 1849, he was at the Basilica of Our Lady of Victories in Paris. I have visited uh, that basilica. Uh, there was a great devotion there, Our Lady of Victories. I spoke about, about this uh, a couple of months back, um, how a priest uh, began a devotion to Our Lady um, and it really took off. Well, uh, by 1849, there was a, a lively devotion to Our Lady under the title Our Lady of Victories, a parish by this name in Paris. And in 1849, he encountered St. Peter Julian Amard, a group of people, they, they were known as the Association of Nocturnal Adorers, okay? Night Adorers of Jesus in the Eucharist. And uh, this made an impression on him. And <clears throat> a couple of years later in 1851, he made a pilgrimage to, there's a great basilica in, in Lyon, France, uh, the Basilica Notre Dame du Fauvier, uh, Our Lady of, of Fauvier. And here he received an inspiration, which he wrote down. He says, One idea haunted me, and it was this that Jesus, in the Blessed Sacrament, had no religious institute to glorify his mystery of love, whose only object was entire consecration to its service, it meaning the Eucharist, Jesus and the Eucharist. There ought to be one, and I promised Mary to devote myself to this end. So this was the, the real seed that was planted for the founding of his congregation um, to the Blessed Sacrament, the Blessed Sacrament Fathers, as they're called, okay? And his vision for a congregation giving glory to Jesus in the Holy Eucharist uh, encompassed both an active and contemplative dimension for this new congregation. And in 1855, he, he petitioned the Pope at that time, who was Pius XI, now a blessed, uh, requesting his blessing for this endeavor. And uh, he explained to the Pope that this new congregation would not confine itself to the mission of prayer and contemplation. They wouldn't just be a contemplative order, you know, adoring Jesus in the Eucharist, but they would be apostolic and labor to bring to the feet of Jesus in the Eucharist the greatest possible number of adorers by forming societies of adorers in the world. Beautiful idea. You know, go out and get people excited about Jesus in the Eucharist so that uh, pe more people could adore Jesus 
our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And Pius XI blessed his endeavor, encouraged him to go forward, and significantly, May 13th, 1856, he received approval from the Archbishop of Paris to found the Congregation of the Blessed Sacrament. That's their founding date, you know, May 13th, the date of Our Lady's first appearance at Fatima, Portugal. Well, um, after a couple of years, in 1858, he worked with a woman, uh, Marguerite Guillot. He founded the women's branch of this congregation, the Servants of the Blessed Sacrament. They are a cloistered, contemplative congregation of women. Okay. Now, <clears throat> um, there were other saints around at that time. Uh, there was another saint not too far from Lyon, France, in, in a little town called Ars. Do you guess, can you guess who, who that might be, Angela? Uh, Was it John Vianney? John Vianney, yes. Yeah. And, and they, they knew each other, St. Peter Julian and, and John Vianney. And wow. John Vianney said of, of Peter Julian Amard, this is a line from, from him. Okay, this, this was, I found this in Butler's Lives of the Saints. Vianney said of Amard, he is a saint. Okay, wow. so um, a beautiful statement by one saint in regard to another, recognizing the sanctity of, of uh, a fellow priest and, and what he was doing to promote, uh, you know, devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, worship and adoration of our Eucharistic Lord. In 1865, you know, he's, he's getting his congregation going at this time, and um, <clears throat> he makes uh, what, what those in his order called uh, his great retreat. It was 65 days he spent in Rome, and he received a number of inspirations. One of them, he said this, it is if, as if my Savior said, through communion, it will be I instead of you that shall live. Now, what does that remind you of? St. Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So, so he receives this inspiration from Jesus through communion. You know, it will be I living in you, Peter. That's what he tells him. Okay. And Jesus says, my heart will beat within your body. My soul will act through your soul. Your heart will be the receptacle and the pulsation of my heart. It's a very beautiful, you know, Jesus, uh, in speaking of his heart, you know, there's a reference uh, implicit to the Eucharist there. You know, Jesus, when he revealed his heart to St. Margaret Mary Alico, you know, spoke of his heart uh, in the Eucharist. And I'm sure that's how Peter Julian was understanding our Lord. And St. Peter Julian, I mentioned at the beginning of my talk today about him, um, his, his works are collected in nine volumes published in English. There's been a new critical edition done. You know, I don't know the availability of that because the translation into English was being worked on a couple of years ago. I, I don't know if that's published yet. Um, but um, there's an older English translation 
uh, that's that's available from the Blessed Sacrament Fathers. It's nine volumes. Oh. If you if you plugged in to the internet, did a Google search, the Amard Library, E Y M A R D. Okay, Angela's on the on the computer doing this right now, so we'll see if uh, um, it's nine volumes. They're they're yeah. small volumes, and do you see it, Angela? Yeah, it says. Of course, they're sold separately. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's see. So you can you can order these. They're they're small little volumes, and um, they're on different topics. Um, you know, uh, and actually, these volumes were collections of his talks that he gave, his sermons, his conferences, and retreats to his fellow religious. So, uh, Father, in on Kindle. There's a 99 cent version for the real presence at, at Kindle for 99 cents. Okay, but, well, but just the well, real the real presence. Okay, that's one that's of the one. Yeah, yeah, I have I have that volume with me today. The real presence. Yeah, that's one of them. Uh, another is, uh, you know, Jesus in in the light of the Eucharist. Uh, another is Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. Okay, ah. so that's what I'm going to talk about today. Okay. Um, but before I, I get into that, I'll, I'll just say that you can order these volumes separately. They're, they're, if, if, if you want to increase your devotion to Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, there is nothing better than going to Peter Julian Amard's works. He was a genius in his insights. And what I just said, it's my recollection that this is what Father Harden said. What Father Hardin recommended to his listeners, uh, those who, you know, were maybe on retreat with him, he says, if you want to increase your devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, read Amard, St. Peter Julian Amard. He is the apostle of the Eucharist. And uh, these these volumes are available. They're, they're wonderful, inspirational reading. And just to give you, oh, you, did you... Well, I was going to say the eighty-four ninety-five to get all nine of all them. All nine, and that's not bad. Yeah, you know, no, it's not. No, about, about ten dollars a piece. Ten dollars a piece. And uh, they're they're great reading. I mean, if you do Eucharistic adoration, yeah, um, you get one of these volumes. You you go in before the Blessed Sacrament. You can you can read what Peter Julian Amard says about our Lord in the Eucharist and have your devotion to G our Eucharistic Lord just deepened and and increased. And Here's just an example of St. Peter Julian Amard's uh, marvelous insights about the Mysterium Fidei, the great mystery of our faith, the Holy Eucharist. Um, he, there's a French school of spirituality. It was founded by Pierre Cardinal Bayrule, who I think should be a saint. I don't know why he's not. He's not yet a saint. He lived um, 1579 to 1625. He's recognized as the founder of the French school of spirituality, the idea of Jesus living in Mary, okay, in her womb. And many great spiritual writers and saints were products of this French school of spirituality. To Jesus through Mary, Jesus living in Mary, and the greatest of of mm -hmm. the saints is is Saint Louis de Montfort. Mm -hmm. Okay, he was a product of the French school, 
And Cardinal Bayrul, in his in the French School of Spirituality, he used a, a term called the states of Jesus during his earthly life. States or interior dispositions of Christ. Okay. I see we're we're getting to the end of uh, the first portion of our program today. We're going to take a little break. We will we'll return speaking, to continue to speak, I should say, about uh, St. Peter Julian Amard after this short break. Thank you. Hello, I'm Scott Hahn from Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio. Catholic Radio is essential for the new evangelization. It reaches people who are not necessarily going to darken the doorways of a local parish, but they'll be driving by, and you can recommend it. You can even turn it on when you got a passenger in the car. Catholic Radio deserves your support as well, not only your prayer support, but also your financial aid. So I encourage you all, get involved and spread the word. God bless you. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at WSFIRadio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Well, good afternoon. This is Father Dwight Campbell back with you for the second portion of our Marian Hour today. And I began this hour speaking of how April is uh, traditionally the, the month of the Eucharist. And you know, Jesus instituted the Eucharist at the Last Supper. Usually uh, the celebration of the Mass of the Last Supper is during April. That's the Easter season. This year it happened to be an earlier uh, Easter. Um, and um, no, actually, no, it wasn't April. That's right. It, it wasn't April. Sometimes it's in March, but usually Easter and the the Mass of the Last Supper is in April. And I, I chose to speak today about uh, a great saint of the Eucharist who promoted, uh, who founded a religious congregation, the Blessed Sacrament Fathers, and uh, also looked to Our Lady uh, under the title of Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. And his name is Father is Saint Peter Julian Amard. And just before our break, I was um, really promoting this saint to, to read his writings. If you want to deepen your 
love and devotion to Jesus, his real substantial presence in the Eucharist, there's no better saint to read than St. Peter Julian Amard. I heard that from the lips of Father John Harden. That's how I learned about St. Peter Julian Amard and bought his works and have read through them a number of times. And I was speaking of when I, before the break of, uh, oh, well, just, just to continue on this, this note too, you can look on the internet for the Amard Library. Uh, if you just plug in on a Google search, Amard, E-Y-M-A-R-D, library, you can order the volumes uh, individually or the entire nine-volume set. It's only, I think, $84 from, from the Blessed Sacrament Fathers. Wonderful reading. If you, do, if you spend time before our Lord in the Eucharist, you'll want to read St. Peter Julian Amard. And... Um, just before the break, I, I was talking of, of how St. Peter Julian applied the, the idea of Pierre Cardinal Bayrou, who's the founder of the French School of Spirituality, uh, who promoted the idea of the, the states or interior dispositions of Jesus Christ okay, during his life, how we have to imitate these interior states or dispositions. And one of them is Christ's annihilation. Okay. Uh, Cardinal Bayrule spoke of how Christ annihilated himself, and this was really um, another way of saying that Jesus emptied himself from St. Paul's epistle to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 7. How, how Jesus emptied himself by becoming man and annihilated himself uh, is, is the term that Cardinal Bayrule used by uh, appearing in human form, you know, not in his, his glory as, as the Son of God. Well, St. Peter Julian Amar took this idea of Christ un having annihilated himself by becoming man and applied it to Jesus in his Eucharistic state, okay, his sacramental state. And uh, St. Peter Julian Amard, in one of his talks to the members of his congregation, said that we must strive to trace um, in our conduct the virtues which the Divine Savior continues with so much love to show us in the adorable Eucharist, especially his humility. That's the idea of annihilating oneself, emptying oneself of his glory as the second person of the Trinity. And we must imitate Jesus, his humility, um, which led him to humiliate and annihilate himself there in the form of bread. Okay. And in his volume, um, The Real Presence, uh, which is in the Amard Library, it's volume one, um, St. Peter Julian Amard, you know, speaks of how our Lord, uh, his, his great humility in, in remaining present under the form of bread. I mean, this, this annihilating himself, 
uh, in a sense, uh, to to uh, humble himself in this incredible way. And this is what makes belief in the Eucharist for some even difficult, because how can you say that Jesus is, is truly there in his, his complete divinity and his humanity? Well, he is. And he humble, humbles himself, annihilates himself in this Eucharistic sacramental state. And he says that we must imitate Jesus if we are going to be uh, adorers of him and, and followers of him. Um, now, St. Peter Julian Amard, one of the, the beautiful things that he did was call his communities because, you know, when you enter religious life, you're, you, as you grow, you begin to, you know, you multiply your communities. You know, you're usually in, in different parishes or in, you know, your residences where you live. And St. Peter Julian called his community Senecals. Now, why would he do that, do you think, uh, Angela? You know, I, I was just thinking of the, sen the first Senecal. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And in the first Senecal... Uh, the the cynical, what happened there? Well, the Eucharist was yes. instituted. This this was the Last Supper. The Eucharist was instituted in the cynical. That's that's what the evangelists tell us. And um, also, you know, a lot happened there because not only did Jesus institute the Eucharist at the Last Supper, this is my body, this is my blood. He instituted at the Last Supper, the priesthood, with the words, do this in memory of me. And then, this was just last Sunday, mm -hmm. Jesus appears Spirit. to them mm -hmm. again that first Easter evening. Mm -hmm. He breathes on them, <coughs> says, receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. So the, the, the sacrament of, of penance, of confession of sins, is instituted in the Cenacle, and another great event happens in the Cenacle. Mm -hmm. After yeah. Jesus ascends into heaven, Pentecost. Pentecost, yes, they're in the Cenacle again with the Blessed Virgin Mary awaiting the Holy Spirit. So the Cenacle was a busy place. I visited <laughs> there uh, about a year and a half ago in, in Jerusalem. Um, most scholars, good, good uh, scholars of especially architecture are in agreement that that's not the original building, but it's there. The new building is built in the place of the original Senecal. Okay, so when you're there, it's it's you know filled with light. It's very beautiful, and you know you're recalling these great events that took place there. Well, um, Saint Peter Julian called his communities Senecals in imitation. You know, where the apostles gathered for the first Eucharist, the Last Supper, the institution of that sacrament, where they gathered with Mary on Pentecost, and, and this is a pious tradition, okay, which St. Peter Julian Amard, you know, kind of fostered and promoted that um, after our Lord's ascension into heaven, that the apostles would celebrate the Eucharist you know, on a regular basis in the Cenacle. It would have been very natural for them to do so, to keep, you know, to, to celebrate the Mass with the Blessed Virgin Mary there. And in his 
and his talks and his sermons and his retreat talks uh, to his religious congregations, you know, he would, he would, you know, uh, speak about this this idea and this theme, and because the Blessed Virgin Mary would have been there, um, she was. Uh, well, he called her the Queen of the Cenacle. Okay, so for his religious congregation. You know, he, he would tell them, you know, Mary's our queen. She's the queen of the Senecal. She was there with the apostles. And um, she also was the first adorer of Jesus in the Eucharist. And the, the teacher of how to adore Jesus properly with the apostles. Think about this. I mean, this, this makes perfect sense that, you know, Mary would have been there um, with the, the apostles, the first Christian community. No one would have had a faith, a deep devotion to Jesus and the Eucharist as Mary, and she would have taught by her example, by her words, uh, how to adore our Eucharistic Lord. So, Mary, the Queen of the Senecal, the first adorer of Jesus, St. Peter Julian calls her, and the teacher of, of the apostles and the first Christian community of how to adore our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And here's, here's an example of what he says. Okay. Saint, this is St. Peter Julian Amard from, um, from, this is from the work, uh, which you can get if you order from uh, the Amard Library, the title, uh, it's actually volume seven of the nine volumes, Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. Mm -hmm. And this is what he, he said in a, in a conference given to, um, I think this was to, um, uh, yeah, to the sisters, the religious sisters, uh, the adorers. He said, all the Blessed Virgin Mary did in the Cenacle was to adore. She was the queen and mother of adorers. Meditate on what she was doing and how our Lord received her adorations. May you see these two hearts perfectly united. That's a beautiful thought. To, to imitate, try to imitate Mary, imagine her adoring Jesus in the Eucharist how her heart was united to the heart of Christ in that blessed sacrament. Okay. And um, she's the queen mother of adorers. Meditate on what she, was, what she was doing, how Jesus would have received her adoration. And, you know, words like this just are, are very inspiring. They, they will encourage us to adore, worship our Lord more deeply, contemplating Our Lady and how she united her heart with Jesus in the Eucharist, well, we have to be imitating Mary ourselves and, and strive to do this. Blessed Pius IX, the Pope at the time, um, this is in 1861 where Peter Julian uttered these words, okay. Uh, Pius IX granted an, an indulgence you can find this in the Enchiridion on Indulgences, by the way. It's a, a large a volume that has all the indulgenced prayers 
of the church over hundreds of years. Pius IX granted an indulgence for those who invoke Mary under this title, okay? Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. And, um, and then in 1905, St. Pius X, he wrote a short prayer in his own writing, okay? Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament, pray for us. And he granted an indulgence for saying that prayer. Beautiful. And then a longer prayer under the title Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament was indulgenced by Pius X, St. Pius X, on December 9th, 1906. And here, here's the prayer. Very beautiful. Okay. O Virgin Mary, Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament, Thou glory of the Christian people, joy of the universal church, salvation of the whole world, pray for us and awaken in all believers a lively devotion toward the most holy sacrament, that so they may be worthy to partake of the same daily. So that's a, just a, a beautiful prayer that we can recite, uh, acknowledging Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament and uh, asking her to pray for us, awaken in us a lively devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist so that we may partake of him daily more fervently. Okay? Uh, you know, the, the Eucharist contains all the grace of, of, of God because it contains Jesus Christ. We only receive that grace in proportion to our openness for it. So prayers like this can help us to be open to more grace, more sanctification, more conformity with Jesus Christ. And that is why Pius X, saint, Know, granted an indulgence for this prayer to encourage the faithful to, to call upon Our Lady to help us to make more fervent Holy Communions. And in 1921, the Sacred Congregation for Rites that deals with the um, uh, divine worship, you'd call it now, the congregation, they approved a feast in honor of Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. They first granted the feast only to the Blessed Sacrament Fathers and then to, as you know, a general grant to, to um, you know, anyone who, who wanted to offer this, this Mass. And the Mass is celebrated significantly on the day that St. Peter Julian Amard founded his congregation. Do you remember what day that is? May 13th. Yes, it is May 13th, and um, that's a Mass that is, is found in the 62 Missal. So if you, if you celebrate the, the, what is sometimes called the Extraordinary Form, okay, the, the, the Tridentine Mass, on that day you can celebrate, um, you, you have the option to celebrate um, the, the Feast of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament or Most Blessed Sacrament, properly speaking, okay? So, 
Um, let me see here. Uh, but May 13th also, we know, <laughs> is, is the feast of uh, Pope John Paul II granted that as a feast day on the, on the new calendar of the church to celebrate Our Lady of Fatima. So um, both of those are our options for that day. St. Peter Julian Amard also says that in making adoration of reparation, okay, we, we, when we adore our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, we should make reparation to him. This was Jesus' message to St. Margaret Mary Alico that he wanted reparation to his heart in the Eucharist by us. So when we are present before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, we should be offering reparation for our sins, the sins of others, and um, because all of our sins, they caused Jesus to suffer. And in justice, we owe reparation to make up for what is lacking, especially, in love, devotion, belief, faith in the Eucharist. Now, by the time of Peter Julian Amard, the practice of Eucharistic reparation had, had, had been growing. And so Peter Julian Amard uh, spoke about this as well with his religious congregation, the members in it. I'll talk about this a little more as soon as we come back from a brief break. Uh, we'll see you in just a few short minutes. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hello, this is Father Campbell. I'm back for the third portion of our Marian Hour today, talking about um, in this month of the Eucharist, April, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about St. Peter Julian Amard, who founded the Blessed Sacrament Fathers, uh, who has um, uh, promoted a devotion under Our Lady under the title Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. And his congregation is 
devoted to worshiping our Lord and bringing adorers and worshipers to our Lord. I'll just say it once more. I've said it a couple of times already. Uh, if you want to learn how to adore and worship our Lord more deeply, have a greater devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist, read St. Peter Julian Amard's works. You can go on the internet, do a Google search for the Amard Library, E-Y-M-A-R-D, nine short volumes, which are compilations of his talks he gave to his religious congregation on retreats and homilies and things. And they're under different titles, each volume. One is, the first uh, volume is The Real Presence. Uh, the seventh volume is Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. And that's what I'm talking about today, uh, how he promoted St. Peter Julian um, devotion to Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament uh, as a model to imitate an inspiration for us. And I left off at the last segment um, talking about how St. Peter Julian um, encouraged his worshipers, uh, his adorers in his congregation, um, and all of us, actually, to make reparation to our Lord in the Eucharist. This was something that really took off in the church in the 1670s when Jesus appeared to St. Margaret Mary Alico and referred to his heart in the Eucharist and how we have to make reparation for the outrages and dignities that he suffers in this blessed sacrament. And um, on the break, Angela said, oh, are you, are you going to talk about the, the, how the heart of Jesus is in the Eucharist? Uh, the miracles of the Eucharist, which which show this. I'll just say something about that briefly before I return to St. Peter Julian. Yes, we, we have Eucharistic miracles. Uh, the most famous, I think, uh, from the 8th century, uh, the Church of San Lanciano in Italy, where the host turned to flesh, the, 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 the wine turned to blood physically, visibly. Okay? I mean, this happens in every, every Eucharistic miracle at every Mass, but uh, the actual um, appearances of, of the sacrament changed. And tests were done scientifically back in the 1970s, which showed that the heart turned to flesh was actually the... Um, the heart of a man, pardon me, the host turned to flesh, was the heart tissue of a man. And there was a another Eucharistic miracle in Buenos Aires in the 1990s, and tests were done on that host turned to flesh. Same results, that the host turned to flesh was the flesh of the heart of a man uh, who had undergone trauma. Both of the, the, the Eucharistic miracles, they revealed this. And so we have, you could say, support from science that um, our Lord's heart is in the Eucharist. Now, of course, we, we can't scientifically prove that it's the heart of Christ, but uh, 
the Eucharistic miracles where the host turned to flesh, and it's been discovered that it's uh, the heart of of a man. Well, this this speaks loudly to our our belief and what Jesus really testified to when he appeared to Saint Margaret Mary Alico, that it is his heart that is in the Eucharist. Well, back to Saint Peter Julian Amard. Um, Saint Peter Julian. Um, spoke of how um, <clears throat> we, we should be making reparation to um, Jesus in the Most Blessed Sacrament and um, that how that reparation is, is due to the fact that we are all sinners. And um, he said, when making reparation before Christ in the Eucharist, we must take, pardon me, we must make reparation through the Blessed Virgin, because she was at the foot of the cross offering her son for the salvation of the world and offering herself to her son. We must offer to our Lord the sufferings and tears of his mother, the great mediatrix. Okay. So um, we we see here an implicit reference to Mary being the co-redemptrix. Okay, she associates herself with Christ, with his suffering on the cross. And, you know, St. Peter Julian was telling the members of his congregation to uh, make adoration of reparation before Jesus in the Eucharist through Mary and really with Mary. Who suffered with Jesus, and you know, G Saint Peter Julian said this. This was in the 1860s, where he uttered these words. Well, you know, just fast forward uh, another, you know, 50 years, and you have the apparitions at Fatima, where Our Lady asks for a communion of reparation to her sorrowful and immaculate heart for what she suffered at the foot of the cross, uh, uniting her suffering with Jesus Christ crucified. And just on that note, I'll, I'll mention Pope John Paul II as well. Now, Pope St. John Paul II, in his encyclical Ecclesia de Eucharistia, okay, the Church of the Eucharist, from in Numbers 53 to 58, in that encyclical, St. John Paul II uh, speaks of being at the school of Mary, the woman of the Eucharist. And uh, his words really complement what we just heard from St. Peter Julian Amard. Listen to what St. John Paul II says. And this is number 54 from the encyclical. He says that um, the Eucharist, while commemorating the passion and resurrection of our Lord, <clears throat> is also in continuity with the Incarnation at the Annunciation of Mary, 
pardon me, at the Annunciation, Mary conceived the Son of God in the physical reality of his body and blood, thus anticipating within herself what to some degree happens sacramentally in every believer who receives under the signs of bread and wine the Lord's body and blood. A beautiful idea. Okay, we receive Christ's body and blood in the Eucharist. Mary received that same body and blood when she conceived Jesus uh, in her womb at the Incarnation. And then, you know, he goes on to say in the same paragraph, 55, that, you know, she bore in her womb the Word made flesh. She became in some way a tabernacle, the first tabernacle in history in which the Son of God, still invisible to our human gaze, allowed himself to be adored by Elizabeth, you know, at the visitation. Um, in a talk to the Polish people who were gathered in Shastahova for the 19th International Marian Congress. This was August 15th, Feast of Our Lady's Assumption, 1996. Um, St. John Paul speaks of how Mary leads us to the Eucharist. And he quotes a verse from a popular Polish hymn, Hail Jesus, Son of Mary, in the sacred host, you are true God. He says that this hymn is sung in Eucharistic adoration and processions. And he goes on to say that every holy mass makes present in an unbloody manner that unique perfect sacrifice offered by Christ on the cross in which Mary participated, joined in spirit with her suffering son lovingly consenting to his sacrifice and offering her sorrow to the Father. Therefore, when we celebrate the Eucharist, the memorial of Christ's Passover, the memory of his mother's suffering is also made alive and present. Okay? Well, that dovetails very nicely with what St. Peter Julian Amard is telling us, that you know, because Mary was at the foot of the cross, and we should make adoration of reparation uh, do so in and through the Virgin Mary because, you know, she was offering her son for the salvation of the world at the foot of the cross on Calvary. And she was offering herself to her son. And we must offer to our Lord the sufferings and tears of his mother. You know, all these things, you know, they, they dovetail so nicely, okay? Um, now, having quoted John Paul II, I'll return to, uh, to St. Peter Julian Amard for just a few minutes here. I, all I have left is a few minutes, and just quote a few more words of this, this marvelous saint. Read him, read him, read him, okay? Uh, I really encourage this. And, and he, in this volume seven of his collected works, Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament, he stresses that Our Lady is, quote, the mother of and model of adorers, for she was always at the side of Jesus you know, during his life. Okay, and she's she's adoring Jesus, you know, when she conceives him in her womb, she's adoring him. When she gives birth to him, she's adoring him. Growing up in the house of Nazareth, she's adoring him. She's adoring him 
in his public ministry. She's adoring him at the foot of the cross. And then she continues to adore him in the cenacle when the Mass is being offered and we can even imagine the Eucharist being reserved, okay? It would have been brought to the sick back then. Father Hardin says this, okay? Before her assumption into heaven, this is what St. Peter Julian tells us. The Blessed Virgin's center of life after the ascension of Jesus into heaven was the cenacle. Since Jesus, her divine son, was there, her mind, heart, and will could not dwell anywhere else. Everything in her life focused on the sacramental state of our Lord and on the sacred host which veiled Jesus' presence. Her mind thought of nothing but the Eucharist. Okay. Her heart dwelt in the cenacle where Jesus remained in the Holy Eucharist. Her will centered on the Eucharist. Since the will is nothing other than the action of the heart and of faith, all her activities flowed from the Blessed Sacrament and returned there. Now, <clears throat> let us keep that in mind as we uh, go through this month of April. I'm going to end with a blessing through the intercession of the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, the most pure heart of St. Joseph. May Almighty God bless you, keep you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll see you in two you weeks. Have been listening to the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell. For a free copy of this recording, please visit us at wsfipodbean.com.